0: Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Nick. I'm Willie. Today we are going to be talking about Jack Schaefer and Matt Shackman's WandaVision. But before we get to all of that, MidwestFilmNerds.com is where you can find more episodes of our podcast. You can also write to us feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com. And please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash MidwestPodNet or mpn.bz slash Patreon if you want to type in fewer letters. But... Um, check out some other stuff on the network. Midwest game nerds just talked about some games. One of them is called maquette It's a very cool game. Um, and then we also talked about something else. What was it? <laughs> I can't remember. Um, uh, but horror movie your book talked about the movie crawl. Yes. And that was a lot of fun to listen to and, uh, made me want to watch movies about alligators. <laughs> um, Outriders was the other game that the Game Nerds talked about, so please go check those out. There will, of course, be some bonus episodes available on the Patreon right now or in the coming week uh, for those shows as well. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's get right into WandaVision, uh, which was created by Jack Schaefer and directed all nine episodes were directed by Matt Shackman for Disney+. Plus. This is the first TV series that really officially takes place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, and the IMDb synopsis says blends the style of classic sitcoms with the MCU in which Wanda Maximoff and Vision, two superpowered beings living their ideal suburban lives, begin to suspect that everything is not as it seems. Uh, of course, starring Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany as the title characters, but also Catherine Hahn, Tiana Paris, and, uh, Jimmy Wu, of Randall course, Park. Our, our boy, Randall Park. Yes. Um... But yeah, so we're gonna go full spoilers from the get go because we assume anybody listening to this probably has already watched the show. If you haven't, please pause this, go catch up on the nine episodes that are up, uh, and uh, and then come back and listen to us because we are not going to hold any punches back. And it's probably gonna be spoilery for the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe as well. So if there's anybody out there who's weird and has watched Wandavision but not something else in the MCU, uh, be be forewarned. That there could be some spoilers for things you haven't seen yet. Um, but Willie, what were your thoughts? What are your general thoughts on WandaVision? We'll see where that where that takes us conversation-wise.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was I, I almost feel like this uh this pandemic and and the the screwiness of how it's affected film productions and film releases actually kind of worked to Marvel Studios' benefit a little bit. And I'm curious to hear if you guys agree. And I mean that in the sense that after Endgame, and I recognize that Far From or Far from Home came out after Endgame, but the last big Marvel movie was Endgame. I think we can all agree with that. Mm-hmm. And I think it was just, I think, I don't want to say I was fatigued by the Marvel stuff. That's not the right word. I was just, I think I was just ready for a break. And Endgame feels like a solid point to take a break for a little bit. And that wasn't the plan, obviously. Um, initially, <laughs> but here we are. Um, so I think going into WandaVision, I had a level of excitement that I would not have had we not had that drought of Marvel movie content. And uh, it was exciting to feel excited again. Um, it was exciting to look forward to something, uh, something new, uh, particularly in a week release schedule. I haven't, I haven't enjoyed, uh, besides of course the great uh, masked singer. I haven't enjoyed, <laughs> I haven't enjoyed uh, weekly television like this, week-to-week, non binge television like this um, in a long time. Um, and I think that Lost is the one that I always go back to, uh, rightly or wrongly, when I think of the excitement of watching something week-to-week and talking about it afterwards and discussing it and going through over theories and trying to question what's going on and talking about the characters. And I haven't had that with a show in a while. And so uh, for both those reasons, for the the drought of Marvel movies and the uh, lack of week-to-week television I've watched in a long time, this was a nice – it was just a – I don't know. It was just – it felt refreshing right out of the gate. I was like, man, this is exciting. Like, this is really fun. I get to sit down with Nikki and we can watch this episode uh, and discuss it afterwards. And then I can hop on Discord and talk with you guys about it. And I can go online and look up YouTube at Easter egg." things and i can uh you know go on reddit and see what all the crazy theories are and so it was just fun it was a lot of fun and that carried through all the way the show itself it doesn't hurt that the show itself i think is really really uh one of the most interesting and mostly well put together things i think marvel studios has done um the idea of taking the sitcom uh storytelling structure and tropes and uh finding a way to fit it in with uh, something that's so far removed from that, which is these big budget superhero movies. It's really kind of brilliant, I thought. Um, And I think they did a great job of not just um, parodying these old sitcoms. They certainly do that to a certain extent, uh, parody the tropes at least, but they found ways to incorporate um, what the characters were going through in the sitcom tropes. And really, just it was really, I think, a balancing act that I, I think that they pulled off uh, very, very well during those sitcom episodes. No question. Um, and I think that's the first like, I think episode four is the first non-sitcommy episode. Um, mm-hmm. But then we get back to a couple. I think there's like five total sitcom episodes, um, and I think they all work to varying degrees. Um, the The fake commercial breaks are great. The the fake TV intro uh, episode intros are great. The whole thing is just a ton of fun um as for the overall you know as a marvel story or a story that's set in this universe that i think we all for the most part enjoy um i'd say we're all fans um i think that it's this is also very impressive because it takes a couple of characters in in uh in wanda and in the vision who i always enjoyed in the movies it's not that i didn't enjoy them but i never felt overly connected to them and i think that's partially uh because they don't have their own big movies, right? They don't have movies like Captain America and Thor and Iron Man um, or the guardians to follow them, to learn about them and to spend time with them before they get into these big giant crossover of movies. Wanda and vision started in in an Avengers movie and then they showed up in civil war and then they showed up in infinity war. So they were, they were always part of a big giant ensemble. So I never felt as much of a connection with them as I did with some of the other characters and this show Retroactively makes me care so much more about these two characters than I ever did in the movies preceding this. Um, I haven't done it yet, but I feel like I could go back and watch, um, you know, Civil War, Infinity War, or even Age of Ultron and probably feel more of an emotional tether-, tether to these characters because of what they are going to go through. That doesn't always happen that way. It's kind of, kind of. Uh, remarkable that they were able to pull that off it made me want to watch age of ultron again which is which is pretty good
0: um <laughs> i did i did watch age of ultron again and they've been good at that recently even with endgame and um thor the dark world which you know it doesn't go a whole lot further in making thor the dark world an essential piece of marvel viewing but <laughs> it at least revisits it in a worthwhile way sure yeah I think.
1: yeah it's it's not gonna do it's not gonna make the movie do a full one eighty. By any means, the movie's the movie, but maybe it, it, the next time you watch it, you'll get a little bit more out of it just purely because of what they did to the characters here. So I dig that. I really think that's really cool. Um, I, I don't, you know, I'm sure we're going to talk about uh, some of the the blowback. Uh, it's not even really that. I don't think it's that widespread, but there's certainly a vocal group of people, I think, online that are, are uh, uh, hating on the show a little bit as a whole for maybe um, – some fan theories that didn't pan out the way they wanted them to. I get disappointment. I understand that. Um, would I have liked, you know, in the nature of this kind of show, like we just talked, like I just talked about it, like, like a lost type show, a mystery box type show is that one of the best parts about the show is talking about it afterwards and, and theorizing about it afterwards. And mm-hmm. um, unfortunately, sometimes that leads to uh, people uh, building certain things up, maybe that, the intention was never for them to be all that important or the intention was never for them to be built up to whatever the fans have been discussing. You know, I can think a perfect example would be uh, Mephisto, right? So we heard a lot. I think a lot of us saw stuff online. Even I was like, oh, I think Mephisto might be, you know, involved in this based on my comic knowledge. And there were some, uh, I think maybe we read too much into it, but there were some like little bits that felt hinty, you know, little hints towards Mephisto uh, thing like red herrings
0: that they purposefully put sure, there sure. to make you think that. Yeah. In a lot of yeah ways. I think there
1: was intentional stuff in there. Um, but I, I, I gotta tell you, I, you know, I, overall, I, I was disappointed by one of those aspects in particular. Um, if I'm being honest, did it ruin the show for me? No, not at all. Um, it didn't even ruin the episode, the finale for me. Um, was I disappointed? Yeah, I was. And do I think that there is, do I think that's that that it, that is the rare occurrence of the the writers um maybe deserving a little bit of the like i said not not the i don't think it ruined the show and i think anybody who's saying that is is being a little over the top here um a lot over the top but i can understand i i i i sympathize and i understand with folks who are disappointed about and hopefully we can get through this quickly because there's so much more to unpack about the show, but I can sympathize and understand with people who are disappointed by the great Ralph Boner. Um, and I can understand that for a lot of, I was disappointed by it. and And I think the reason why is they definitely wanted to play on your expectations, no question. And I'm cool with that. I just think that, I just think there were so many more interesting things you could have done with Evan Peters. It didn't even need to be the Fox X-Men Quicksilver popping up. Um, that is not, I had no necessary. I I didn't have any necessarily like specific ideas of what it needed to be in my mind, because I understand that the the story, the people who are telling the story are going to tell the story they want to tell. Right. And that may or may not include, Mm -hmm. uh, Fox X-Men Quicksilver. But, um, I I do think it was, I think it was manipulative in a way that, yes, was it, was there a degree of cleverness? Absolutely. Because if you recast Uh, Quicksilver or Pietro, right? If you recast him with any actor but Aaron Taylor Johnson, with any random actor, the audience is immediately going to know he's a fake and a phony. Mm
0: -hmm. But if
1: you make it Evan Peters, the audience is going to question what's going on, right?
0: There's a possibility that it is multiverse Evan Peters. Absolutely. And
1: that's the reason why the audience is going to question it. There's no other explanation for it. That's why they cast Evan Peters. And that's great in theory, but I do think that I think it's unfair for a lot of people I'm seeing online are like, are are kind of shaming people for being disappointed in that. And I don't think that's fair. I think it's, I think that's very reasonable to be disappointed in that. If you're disappointed because Dr. Strange didn't show up at socks, I guess, I mean, who doesn't want to see more Benedict Cumberbatch, but there was nothing in the show that said that pointed in that direction necessarily, besides mm-hmm. the fact that she's going to be in Dr. Strange too, but that's, that's kind of.
0: Outside. that wasn't in the show no, exactly. you know. that's not exactly. in the text of the exactly. piece exactly
1: this is yeah. the one thing where i think i do think for me i consider it a misstep i know i know i alex i know you have some different feelings on it as well but for me i consider it a misstep purely because i do think um i think people are excited for the idea of doing some multiverse shenanigans i think that uh this casting of evan peters Combined with the hints of it in Far From Home with Mysterio, which turned out to be a fake and a joke and 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 a, and not actually multiverse related, mm-hmm. um, the fact that multi that multiverse of madness is the subtitle for Doctor Strange two, the fact that we have all these uh, rumors about well we don't have rumors about uh, Alfred Molina is going to be in and and Jamie Fox are going to be in the third Spider Man movie, so I think people are itching for that, and I think they need to be very careful about how many times they give their audience. Um, uh, they fake their audiences out because it's starting to get a little bit frustrating almost to me. Mm. Um, that said, I think Evan Peters is great and I'm a little bit bummed that they kind of, I don't want to say they wasted him because he was a ton of fun to watch, but I'm bummed that Evan Peters is just Ralph Boner.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, he is Ralph Boner, but he can also come back as Quicksilver from the X-Men movies as well. But at that point, is it at, one step too far? At this point, right? I think
1: it would be that would be overly confusing. I feel, <laughs> I feel like at this point, I would be like, stop it, cut it out now. Yeah. Um, but no, so no. Overall, I really did like the shot. Like I said, I don't want to, I do not want to sit here and and go over uh, go on about boner. If you guys have any thoughts on that, that you want to get out, let's get them out now. Let's get this shit out now.
0: I I did everybody a favor. Please go to alexmorell.medium.com and read my piece, A Treatise on Boner. And uh, you can see my full thoughts on Ralph Boner and his inclusion in the show. I have come to acceptance with it because I was also disappointed in some ways. But I also think it is extremely clever and a singular, the only place that this type of thing could ever possibly happen at the moment. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So I think, Nick, we should get into your thoughts. You can speak on Boner real quick if you want <laughs> or if you want to move on and, uh, and talk about the, the rest of the show and your main thoughts on it. Uh, I think either, either way you would like is okay. So
1: do you take the boner road,
0: (laughs) (laughs) the road, more bonered,
2: (laughs) more boned? Uh, yeah, I didn't like, I didn't like Ralph Boner and I think it was maybe an instance of a joke that they didn't, they were so fixated on whether or not they could, they didn't stop and think whether or not they should. Ah. And I don't say that because they should live in fear of internet nerd backlash. I just think it's stupid and doesn't, doesn't move anything forward. It doesn't really serve any purpose and it doesn't really do anything except kind of make me scratch my head and be like, why? I, I like, I like the inclusion of Evan Peters a lot. And I think it just, didn't, it, I don't know. It could have just been, I don't know. I don't know what I, I wanted I, it to be instead, but I, I, I love Evan Peters. Uh, I think he's a really, really talented actor. And I think he's a lot of fun as Quicksilver, and he even made me kind of like grin a little bit at the boner line because he like plays it so well. But two seconds later, I was just like, "Ugh, that was stupid." That's well, it.
0: And I I want to push back on just a little bit, and then I will put away my thoughts on boner for the medium post. <laughs> hey, hide your boner, but, bro. <laughs> I will say watching Evan Peters in these episodes as Quicksilver is a shitload of fun because he does play a version of Quicksilver. And I think Quicksilver is a very interesting tool that Agatha tries to use to her own ends in the story. So I think Quicksilver plays an important role, but in the end that it ends up not actually being Quicksilver, if somebody wants to be disappointed by that, I can't begrudge anybody because I get it. I was there too. I I wanted it to be Fox X-Men, Quicksilver. I wanted it to be the opening of the multiverse, and it wasn't. And I and I agree that that sucks a little bit. Um, but at the same time, I think Agatha preying on Wanda through her dead brother in this realm where we know there are people that are alive that shouldn't be alive, I think comes together in some form, even if it gets like curtailed or... Um, disaffected by the reveal of ralph boner Mm -hmm. but we're all free to disagree with that because this is america
2: (laughs) for me it just is more ralph boner name jokes whatever aside it's more problematic for me just as having quicksilver in there as a mechanic raises more issues and more questions than it's worth for any sort of uh any sort of mind games with uh with um wanda sorry i can't remember people's names right now for some reason <laughs> i just think i think the inclusion of quicksilver is really cool but i i would have been much more satisfied had he been like an unconscious manifestation that wanda made along with many of the other things that were in westview
0: that's fair i yeah, think that yeah, would have yeah. been
2: a much much more effective much much more compelling uh thing and then you know casting evan peters would have been fine but i i think the problem then is that you obviously are going to incur this this kind of curiosity for it. yeah exactly yeah. and i think you were begging for it no matter what and yep. and the because they chose to do it just basically for the setup and punchline uh, at the end there i think it was a complete waste of time it also bums me out because i wanted agatha to be a more interesting uh not sympathetic but just more interesting villain because she kind of says in the finale there that she she wants to take wanda's power because she knows how to control it and she knows how to how to channel it and how to stop basically hell from breaking loose. And I think had I, okay. The season as a whole for me is like a, is basically a bell curve. I didn't really like the first one or two, maybe three episodes as much. And then all the middle I really loved. And the ending I was massively not interested in. I would go so far as to say, I really hated the last episode, except for the vision stuff, which I feel guilty saying, because I don't want like the, that one character to be the only one that really worked for me, but it that's the truth of it. I really hated where they went with Agatha. I think they really set up Monica as a super cool character in the middle of the show and then just kind of drop the ball with her. And maybe they'll bring her back around wherever she is going to appear next and they'll make her cool again. That feels
1: very backdoor pilot to me, doesn't it? Like, yeah,
2: yeah. And they gave her a stupid costume and they took away all of her uh, self-motivation and all of her own, like, inertia, basically, that she had going for her. Yeah. Yeah. and I really liked what they set up with Wanda initially too. And I liked the idea that she did all this to herself and to these people because she's processing something terrible. And then making Agatha be in on the the pain of it just kind of devalued the whole thing, It devalued the whole therapy aspect of it for me. And uh, I loved Katherine Hahn initially. And at the end, I just felt bad for her because I was like, she's just hanging from wires and waving her hands. And I was like, this is <laughs> this is stupid. She had so much more compelling material and, and uh, and uh, material, I guess is the only word I have to, to work with and to have her reduced to like a Power Rangers villain, I was like, ugh, this sucks. Um, so that's, I'll leave it at that. I just really, really didn't like where it ended. I'll also, nothing really seems to have changed for Wanda so much. Like I kind of expected a a little more of a feeling of closure and maybe, I don't know, more, a little bit more of an arc because I think from the start she's been a really cool character like everything willie said is completely i agree with 100 percent. you could i want to go back and rewatch all these now see her and vision a little bit more uh through a different lens than i did before because all along i've been like these are really cool characters and they keep getting shoved off at the sideline mm-hmm. and making me not care about them and like to the point where when uh infinity war happened i was like cool kill vision like do something with him that matters, <laughs> and now I'm like, "That's this is great." They've turned him into a really, really excellent three dimensional character, and he wasn't even there. Like it's it's amazing. Yeah, he's one and of the he's one of the best characters in the Marvel movies now. To me, like in, in oh, the universe, absolutely. Yeah. He's had all the best dialogue, hands down. Yeah, like even his lines in Age of Ultron. I was like, this movie's a clunker, but he's the he, best written part he, of that movie. He emerges uh, just on top of the heap. Yeah, and looking like Captain Morgan standing there. He's so cool and just <laughs> and just perfectly written and and it's a it's a perfect marriage of actor and uh and material. And I think Elizabeth Olsen deserves tons of credit cuz she's so good. She's so good and she really goes for it. She, she you could tell she gives a shit, which is cool. Because she could easily just kind of be like, eh, it's a superhero movie. Like I'm going to do my job," but she seems to really go for it. And I think that's cool. All the stuff with them and the kids is great. Uh the final sequence of the finale with with basically the the hex kind of imploding on itself is really good. Uh the kind of farewell bit with the boys and then with with Vision and his final kind of lines with her, all that stuff is awesome. Um but then the sort of lack of any sort of seemingly any sort of consequence for Wanda for for doing this didn't really sit well with me, even though it wasn't <sighs> It's it's tough because had it been entirely self-inflicted, I would I would feel maybe a little bit differently. But because there were these external forces working against her, including sword. Was it sword? Yeah. Yep. Whatever. Don't even. Uh, <laughs> although I did like the the twist that he lied about Vision's body. That was really cool. Like that, was that, that was neat that we saw it happen and it didn't
0: actually happen. That was cool. But, he was he was actually using it to manipulate his team. Into yes.
2: Sinking. Yeah, that was kind of neat. But. Uh, it just feels like one, when I saw all the, the citizens of Westview getting out of the the days that they were in and, and seeing the looks on all their faces, I was like, oh, God, this is horrifying. And I actually – Tim and I were texting a little bit afterwards and I told him, I said, you know, I'm, I feel kind of like I'm retroactively changing my stance on Civil War now <laughs> because <laughs> the, these people need to be put in check like this I mean, granted, you know, a city fell from the sky and like all these people died and, you know, horrible things have happened to to this crazy scale. But when you see it on a small, personal, intimate level and you realize the real trauma that these people were inflicted and all the scenes of them snapping out of it throughout the series and and, like the the horror and panic in their faces, I was like, this is terrible. And Wanda needs to be locked up and, and worked with somehow to ensure this doesn't happen again and it's only going to happen worse, I think, is what we're being set up for with uh, all mm-hmm. the chaos magic and the, the dark, dark hold. Mm-hmm. Yep. And with basically the synopsis for Strange 2 saying that a former ally, which I'm assuming might be her, but it also might be Brand Mordo. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, Why not both? Probably will be both. Yeah. And yeah. at the end of the day, I, I liked it overall. I think that there's tons of of worth in it. I think that the, the storytelling mechanics were really cool. I think giving Wanda and Vision a chance to step out into the spotlight. And, um, you know, that's the other thing, too. That's kind of a sticking point for me. Wanda has been manipulated or coerced or cajoled by somebody in every single movie she's in. She's never (laughs) acting of her own accord. And in this movie, I was – or this show, I was excited because I was like, cool, this is her deal. Like, that's why from, like, the earlier episodes, I was like, I feel like this is her thing. She created this and she doesn't know it. Kind of like a memento situation. And then in the end, she still was kind of being manipulated by all these people. And I was like, man, give this girl a break, man. Let her have her own story. It just, it was, that kind of dragged it down a little bit for me too. But it was cool to see them take center stage and to let those two actors, you know, they've they've put in their time, they've paid their dues, they've, you know, appeared in all the the small supporting roles and to, to let them kind of have their own story, which from what I've read briefly, they had some input on the direction things would go or at least how they could flesh out their characters further. Yeah, and I, I think that's that really too. cool because they're both really, really phenomenal and they have great chemistry, which I think is one of the, I mean, it's a, it's a key ingredient and a make it or break it for movies in general, but especially for superhero stuff, when you have two leads, especially like of, uh, of opposite sexes that are supposed to be love interests and they have no chemistry, it just sinks the whole thing mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's terrible. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at pretty much Christopher Nolan's whole Batman trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that's just a drag, and I love those movies. But with these guys, it was great. So I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. We could dig into it more, but I guess that's about it for the, the broad
0: strokes, really.
1: Paul Bettany has been doing this for 13 years. Like
2: that, <laughs> like that, that
1: just hit me. Like
0: there was, a, there was a tweet that I saw yesterday that was like, Paul Bettany's first lines in the MCU was a weather report. And it was just a clip of Leslie Bibb waking up in Tony Stark's bed with Paul Bettany reading the weather over the Jarvis intercom, basically. And I was like, damn.
1: <laughs> yeah, I saw I know. Some, somebody posted something. I it's saw, amazing. I saw Bettany react to it about how he has been involved uh, with the Marvel stuff in three separate decades, which is kind of yeah. amazing.
2: Um, so so good. And the fact, no. too, that he started off just like, I think it was kind of an out of the out of the blue kind of thing. Just like, Hey, do you want to do some voice work? It's, it's, I think a couple days worth of work or something. And yeah, sure. And it turned into this incredible career resurgence. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's
1: cool. It's cool. in that the show is cool in that way behind the scenes too, because it's, it's finally a way for Betny to like truly shine in this universe, like to really let it all out. And this feels like the first time Olsen's been able to do that really fully do that. And hers her story is really just starting in a lot of ways, so it's gonna be exciting to see you know where what she's able to do with the character moving forward i guess it's it's cool like just just as a in a in a um behind the scenes way it's it's neat to see those two be able to kind of sink their teeth into stuff now they've like you said they've paid their dues a little bit so
0: Yeah, I I just want to get some of my, uh, I don't know, there's not a whole lot of broad strokes left that you guys didn't touch on, and there's honestly nothing that I disagree about except for Boner, so, you know, (laughs) people can read that if they want. But, um, I really enjoyed this show throughout, though. I wouldn't really call it a bell curve, but there are a few things that I'm pretty disappointed in, most of which I think falls a lot on S.W.O.R.D. and, and Monica, um... But, what I will say is that, like, I really enjoyed the sitcom motif that they kind of worked through in the the several episodes that they did it. I kind of wish that it, uh, it doesn't necessarily feel like they followed through on it, because it does gradually slide into a more traditional MCU story, but I like the fact that, like, um... I loved all of the costuming that they got to do and a lot of the somewhat of pastiching, but also commenting on and also just enjoying the history of television. Uh, You know, I'm not, I know the first episode's kind of like 50s, 60s, Mary Tyler Moore kind of, uh, or Dick Van Dyke show, um, pastiche, and then you get more into like the Bewitched in the next episode and the, the Partridge family and the, like... Some of the older stuff wasn't lost on me because I'm aware of it, but it's not as big as, like, the Malcolm in the Middle and the Modern Family, which I feel like the Modern Family thing that they touch on is maybe the least effective of the ones that they actually do. Um, I like how they really moved through those decades, and, like, the costuming is incredible. The way that they act is great. This is, Paul Bettany has a blast in the first, like, in the in the sitcom episodes before Vision really wakes up. Uh, and it's so much fun to watch both of them interact in this completely different way than we've seen them in these movies. And so I think it's kind of a really clever way to kind of flesh out these characters more, even if it's in a different uh, context and away from the superhero stuff and just kind of allow them a little more room to explore that relationship and ultimately allow Wanda some of the room to grieve, although it kind of happens in a much more symbolic way in front of us rather than in any real transparent character arc sort of way. Um, I also really love Catherine Han. I think she did a great job. I do agree with Nick that like, it's disappointing that the final battle between them just falls to hurtling CG bolts at each other on wires in the sky. um, and i think episode 8 where Ma- uh where agatha takes wanda through her own past to try and dig at what is happening and why is really really compelling and i kind of wish that the finale would have been more of like them doing that to each other we we get a little bit of that when wanda takes agatha back to the Salem witch trials days but if that conflict between them was just moving through these different set pieces like they did with wanda you know if they would have figured out a way to make that come to a head through that stuff rather than cgi flying battle at the end i think that would have been great i
1: really really like that you just said that
0: yeah yeah like and, that, and that's
1: like making it more of a psychological magic-based fight than yeah i i I think that would have been way more interesting
0: mm-hmm. absolutely no, and- we get the we get the battle of the wits between the visions, and I think it was awesome. It's incredible. It's like you know it harkens back to Strange and Dormammu, and like just and yeah. not even it goes in a, in a in a deeper level than that. Like the the thought experiment of the ship of Theseus and everything that type of stuff is like so. The idea that Vision would realize I can argue with myself about logic and probably end this conflict, I think is incredible. And so the conversation that happens between them and kind of the realization that it gives both of them of like, we are two halves of the same whole, but we're not the original, I think is super compelling. And so, you know, I think that really worked, but it's just a quick moment and it ends. But the the overall greater third act conflict coming to a finish in a traditional action movie CGI fest was was a bummer.
1: Can we talk about since you just brought up the whole vision vision versus vision thing real quick? Can we talk about those two real fast? Yeah. Um, so sure. I just want to say two things. First of all, White Vision's design is the raddest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> like yeah. the second he is terrifying and beautiful. And like I am super, super, super enamored with the look of the White Vision character. I, I think I, I I remember thinking that when Vision first showed up in Age of Ultron, he looked incredible too. I remember all of us just kind of being like, mm-hmm. "Oh my god!" Like, where does the where does the prosthetics end and the CG begin <laughs> and the Paul Bettany end?
0: You know what I mean? Like, and this time around, it was even the moment of him glancing at Thor and being like. I want a yes, cape too. Yes, and then exactly. he gives himself one. Exactly. <laughs> it's like yeah. He's so rad. And
1: so White Vision was another just another it felt like that all over again.
2: Um mm-hmm. I think our proximity to Bill and Ted Face the Music did me a disservice because I kept thinking he looked like Dennis. Uh, <laughs> Dennis. Yes,
0: I didn't even think of that, which is incredible.
2: But yeah,
0: that's great. I think he just ruined it for me, so thanks. Um, I'm well, sorry. the end of the movie, he does become like the paranoid android. He He's he like, does. wait, he, he flies <laughs> away. It's amazing, Jetpack. Jet um, and secondly, sorry. no, no, you're good. Secondly, I just
1: wanted to say, you know, I am so happy. That like Now, I, I am not – one thing that superhero comics and now superhero movies tend to do all too frequently, and I think most people are going to agree, is that death means little to nothing in most cases, right? So mm-hmm. if you look at the characters that died in the last couple Avengers movies in particular, right? Let's just take a look. Uh, we've got Heimdall, who wasn't that important to begin with, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Loki, who has stayed dead, but we have another alternate Loki now running around. So he yep. didn't – he is dead, but he's not, right? effectively not right bad. we've got black widow who is as far as we know dead but is still getting a movie in the form of a prequel that one i for- can forgive we've got gamora once again alter- alternate universe gamora is now running around and mm-hmm. so normally at this point uh because vision died in those movies i'd be pretty annoyed with the fact that now we have a version of vision back at least but I will say that by the end of this show, I was like, "Please don't kill him again! <laughs> please, please, please don't kill him again!
2: Please give me." If, yeah, if anyone has earned life, it's the thing that's not alive to begin with. Yes, but we all want it to be. Please, <laughs> please don't die. So I'm I'm really excited that
1: um, I'm happy that uh, we didn't. That vision will live on, and I love that that whole that whole bit he has at the end. It's actually kind of a monologue at the end um, when he's talking asking. Uh, wanda what he is and then he defines himself as having been a voice without a body which was back of course when he was jarvis um mm-hmm. and uh a body uh without being human i think it says something along those lines i'm paraphrasing but um it just that whole bit first of all i cried my ass off um because it just got me for whatever reason um mm-hmm. but secondly i just i love the idea of now that we have this that we have white vision running around or flying around i guess um with at least the the data part of these memories right he has at very least yeah. he has the data of the memories if not the emotions tied to them i just love the idea that the next time we see vision whenever that is where whatever property that pops up in i have a theory i think i know where he's going to show up but we'll see um that he's going to be a different version of the character and i think that's really cool and it's got to be exciting for betty not only is he getting a marvel paycheck but he gets to creatively stretch a little bit each time because it's really a different incarnation of vision most of the time.
0: So, uh, you know, even the demeanor that he plays the two different visions with, like they've, they I've seen a few people talk about how like white vision is the vision without a soul because he doesn't have the soul stone. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the, the colorful vision being a more animated, very human kind of like, approximation of who vision once was versus this like extremely robotic and logical version of vision, I think is really interesting. He's
1: robotic and he makes these really, really interesting. If you watch uh, his uh, his facial movements and his reactions mm-hmm. to what the other, what, what Westview vision is saying, if you watch his body language, there's something very infantile about the character. Um, mm. It's, it is very, there's a, there's a certain, at least I read into it. There's a certain element in that performance of white vision of, um, being a newborn almost. It's very interesting. Um, yeah. it, it honestly, honestly reminded me, um, and I'm sure there's, this is purposeful, reminded me of some, some of the Blade Runner, uh, Roy Batty stuff. Um, yep. because even, even, even Roy, like with Roy Batty, right. Even when he was at his most violent and antagonistic and, uh, you know, uh, snapping fingers and gouging out eyeballs with his thumbs and just being as nasty as possible. There was always this really interesting, almost infantile or childlike quality about Rucker Hauer's performance in that movie. And this, this, remi- we didn't get enough of it really for me to, to, to really dig into it, but, but it reminded me of that. So I, um, and I'm sure that was purposeful. I, you know, Betney seems like the kind of guy who, uh, he seems like a, like a cinephile to me based on interviews I've seen and stuff. And um, there was that Tannhauser gate reference um, mm-hmm. on the theater on the marquee. marquee. So I feel like there's, I feel like that has to be somewhat of an inspiration for that, that part, that version of the performance. I, I don't know, Nick, what do you think about that? I, I I don't know if you picked up on any of that blade runnery type stuff. I mean, beyond just the obvious, is he human or not kind of thing.
2: Yeah, for sure. I think that the the whole final conversation with Wanda really kind of reinforced that idea too that the, the nature of what he is it, it was kind of the inverse of the the conversation with Tyrell though <laughs> where he's like begging for more life and kills him he's basically almost thanking Wanda for the time that they had yeah. and accepting his fate Yeah, which is just pure vision again he, he's he's uh, you know if there's ever a character in the MC that deserve to have an existential crisis it's him but sure. he doesn't <laughs> yeah. at all he was able to continue to be that logical to a fault and say like, well, I I can either freak out or I can accept my situation and try to help the person that I love because she has created me to be the person that loved her. Like it's, yeah. it's so fucked <laughs> like, the whole, <laughs> the whole thing. Uh, it, it. It's kind of what makes the ending kind of typical MCU ness at the end even more disappointing because they they everything has been so interesting and in the in the finale the most interesting really the only interesting part I think is the vi- the two visions talking about the thought problem and it's so brief and then well a little bit in that final bit with Wanda but you're you're really getting into some pretty incredible stuff and dipping into a, kind of some some sub. Topics of sci-fi that I particularly really like. I'll admit that maybe I'm disappointed they didn't go harder into it, but Vision is such a perfect opportunity to get to get weird and get more into all these kind of big questions that kind of extend really to all of us. I mean, someone could walk away from WandaVision and be like, he's a stupid robot, that's dumb. But these questions are they apply to us too, you know? Mm. And that's that's what makes vision so amazing. And, uh, you know, if, if when he comes back, I hope that the character is not too different from what we've had already, because I want to continue to go down some of these tracks that they've already laid with him. Mm-hmm. I don't want him to just be like the, I mean, he'll probably be like White Vision from the comics for a while, where he's just kind of not interested in these people that were his friends and his, his loves. But, um, you know, we'll see, I guess. I, I think that there's so much potential still with both characters, and that is really exciting.
0: Mm-hmm. Do we want to touch a little bit on on Monica? Um, you know, I think n- Willie, your, th- your thoughts on her being a backdoor pilot sound exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, You know, the the little bit of uh, lip service to Captain Marvel and uh, like honestly, well, here's what I'll say: is the the moment of watching Monica come back from the snap I thought was incredible. Like exploring. It was awesome. Exploring more of the ramifications of the Hulk snapping his fingers and people coming back in that instance, I thought it was it was not something I was expecting no. in the show. And and so when it happened, I was like really kind of fascinated and delighted by it. Um, But it most certainly feels like they're laying the groundwork for her to head into Captain Marvel with a bit of a chip. Captain Marvel 2. With a bit of a chip on her shoulder about the fact that Carol was nowhere to be found when her mom was dying, maybe.
1: Yeah, it seems like that's the issue. I, you know, maybe there's more to it than that that we'll discover. I, you know, with Monica, like I, I like the actress, I like the performance, I like the character in the comics. Um, I am cool with her having been involved here. Um, she has a bit of a connection there with Wanda with the whole grief thing going on. It's not mm-hmm. really terribly fleshed out and it's kind of used a little no. bit as an excuse to get Wanda off the hook at the end, which is a little bit of a, of a uh, little cheap. But um, I like the actress and I like the character enough uh, and the performance enough to be excited about where this character pops up again, even if I feel like she didn't really serve much of a purpose in the back half this season. Um, yeah. I would assume she's going to be involved in Captain Marvel, 2. That seems like an obvious uh, obvious avenue for her. And then there's that yep. secret invasion uh, Disney Plus series that they're doing, and I would assume she'll be involved in that in some capacity as well. Uh, yeah,
0: the stinger of the scroll coming right, to her right. at least kind of implies something of that. Right, nature and as and well. the
1: inference I got there with the whole like oh a friend of your mom's blah blah. I guess I would assume it's either a Ben Mendelssohn, which would make a lot of sense, right? Or B, mm-hmm. it's Nick Fury. Um, yep. So either way. Because uh, I think Nick Fury was on some space station with some scrolls at the end of Far From Home, yes? Am I missing? Yep. Okay, so there you, you go. You are correct. So it's probably one of those two. Um, no, I, Monica's cool. I'm cool with Monica. I mean, I, I, I don't think she served a huge purpose beyond the, her early appearances in the show. I think they really just wanted to make sure they hit the check marks with her a little bit in terms of get her the powers so we can not spend time in our two-hour movie doing that. Um, mm-hmm. That felt a little bit uh, Iron Man 2-y to me, where it, yeah. it was... Let's pack as much as we can in for the future movies. Uh,
0: sometimes at and, the expense and of. At the larger <laughs> sense, Sword as well. Yeah, like, you yeah, know, yeah. There, here's this big organization that you knew nothing about but has existed since probably at least the 90s, mm-hmm. right? Um, it certainly felt that way. And
1: I have no problem with Sword inherently. Um, I mm-hmm. just, I think it was kind of. It was certainly boring to have. Actually, I think the Hayward performance is a lot of fun. That guy's really having a good time. Um, so I like the actor, and he was totally. Totally sleazy and enjoyable to watch in that sense, but in like an 80s James Spader sense. But um, it, it did feel a little lame that here we have another uh, big uh, government Monolith. government beast uh, and the guy in charge is another bad guy. I, I don't know. For once, can we have like a government agency of some sort in this universe that's like actually trying to do the right thing? <laughs>
0: Uh, it's not, not led by a
1: bureaucratic bad guy of some who's, sort who's willing to shoot children. <laughs> uh, yes. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's just real life. I don't know. Not the shooting children part, but the, uh, the, uh, the evil bureaucratic thing. Um, mm-hmm. can, real quick. Uh, anybody else have anything on Monica? Monica. Cause I want to make sure we cover something else as well.
0: Nick, any Monica thoughts?
2: Just her, int- her, uh, her flashback scenes at the hospital when she got de-snapped were so sweet. So sweet. And that's, that's the kind of stuff that I want to see more of. And I know that the window for that is pretty much gone at this point, And that bums me out. Cause that's like, if I could have like a leftover style show in the MCU, I think that I would eat that shit up and it would be probably super compelling, but we're just going to do more of this Nick Fury stuff, I guess. <laughs>
1: well, well, Hey Nick, honestly, um, not that I'm trying to be a, 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 a Feige shill here, but, uh, uh, oh, it, it sounds like, <laughs> a, a Feige file. Uh, it sounds like, although he seems like a delightful guy. Um, <laughs> it seem it sounds like, uh, Falcon and winter soldier is going to deal with the ramifications of what it's like for people to disappear, like directly deal with that. Uh, um, I hope so. No, it, like that, that's part of the log line for that show is like how, okay, good. Because they're dealing with two people that were snapped
2: and they, yeah, that's true. And they missed five years of their lives. Um, um, and how do those two, you know? Okay, good. Yeah. So thank you for for bringing that. When that airs in like two weeks, so right, or something tomorrow, like that,
0: and that's tomorrow, the so f- week from yes, yeah, tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow. What? So, <laughs> it's out now. March check it. check your Disney Plus, everybody. Uh, there's a there's okay. a,
1: a making of Wandavision airing on Friday the twelfth, and then there the
2: nineteenth will be Falcon, Falcon and Winter Soldier. So. Wait, so in the same week I get the Snyder Cut and Falcon and Winter Soldier? Yes, yes. excellent. <laughs> that's see that's the thing I know it's kind of contradictory and and a little hypocritical but I love I love the spy stuff in Marvel like I love the the black ops the the winter soldier black widow uh, Nick Fury for the clo- Condor. Cloak and Dagger yeah I love all that not Cloak and Dagger the characters but the 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 <laughs> mode of operation uh I love all that stuff I love those comics and but it's the shield stuff bores the shit out of me cuz it's just big unwieldy we have more money. We have more guns, like kind of crap. And it just bums me out uh, that we keep kind of defaulting to that. And, yeah. and, you know, sword was kind of the same way. And I wasn't entirely like Hayward. Hayward's performance was a lot of fun. But I was like, I kind of get where he's coming from. Like, he's got to get this shit under control. Oh, and there was an and- interesting bit,
1: Nick. I, I, there was an interesting bit with that. I don't remember the actor's name, but the Hayward, the guy who plays Hayward, right? Where he mentions, he says something to Monica about like, you people that disappeared were lucky imagine having yeah. to stick around for the last five years and like mop up the leftovers yes. like and yeah you, that was a great line yes it was great and you can see how this guy what i liked i mean he gets
2: cartoonishly villainous at yes the end, he turns into like, charles rocket from dumb and dumber at the absurd. end and it bummed me out it's i was absurd. like ah.
1: <laughs> but there was some nuance to that and some some there was some uh, he felt like a like what was going to be more of a three-dimensional villain in the sense that like he he seemed to me like he was a guy who probably was a very good guy and had the best interest at heart like a lot of people in his position would and then was twisted by the fact that he went through something as traumatic as having half of life disappear for five years. Yeah. Um but then yeah, he just starts goofballing and driving tanks and shooting at children. So
0: <laughs> Yeah. No, and, and, and like like Nick was saying, like I got very nervous that like sword just being another stand in for the for shield being Uh, an overloaded bureaucratic mess of some kind that is taken down by bad actors. Like, we have the potential for S.W.O.R.D. to just be another reiterated version of the same story that we've already dealt with, right? And so their introduction, I think, was has me curious of what they're going to do with it. But Willie, what was the, what was the other thing that you wanted to make sure we hit? Well, on? Well,
1: I mean, it, it seems obvious, but we, we've talked a lot about, and, and with good reason, a lot about Paul Bettany and vision and how amazing he is. And the character is, and how we're loving the journey that the character's going on. Uh, Lizzie Olsen is like phenomenal in this show. I think, um, I mean, I just, I don't want to, I want to give her, her, her moment in the sun in this this podcast we record. I just think that she's she's so good at taking on every single aspect of this role. She's great at all of the um all the sitcomy performances of every decade. She feels totally natural <laughs> um, from Bewitched all the way through Malcolm in the Middle. Like she feels like she could fit on any of those sitcoms and be like the standout on those sitcoms. And it's really kind of incredible and. Like her, it sounds silly, but like her facial reactions, like to the emotions you see on her face in, in the way she displays her grief and stuff like that. And it is just like, like I said, it sounds silly, but like, she's really good at acting with her face. I don't know how to explain it. That sounds, (laughs) it probably sounds ridiculous, but like you read every bit of trauma and pain and anger and, uh depression and just the whole gamut, right? You can read it all on her face. Um, and I just, I think she's really, 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 I think we've forgotten a little bit how good Lizzie Olsen is. And I think that uh, this was a very, very strong reminder of how good an actress she is because she's really great. So I just needed to say that, get that
0: out there. And No, I totally agree. And she you. looks
1: incredible in that. I'm, 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 and maybe I'm, maybe I'm a disgusting man here, but I'm just going to say it. <laughs> She looked amazing in the Scarlet Witch outfit, like the 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 comic booky outfit. I was like, Lizzie, good for you. Good
0: for you. I think I think both are great. And I think the one that she ends up in even like looks really, really cool without being like overtly sexualized, yes. like yeah. big, you know, open chest, right. like that type right. of bullshit yep. that you see in like most of this type of stuff. But um no, the moment where, and Nick touched on it a little bit with, uh, with the head fake of her potentially stealing vision's body, the moment where she goes to sh- to sword to, to see his body, um, and, and watching her leave that and, and end up in Westview, uh, I thought was really, really beautiful and really powerful and very well done, um, and it, you know, she does she did a very great job. And even so, like, I think she did a great job with the little bit of time she gets in, in Endgame. Like the moment it still sticks in my mind that she's one of the few people that gets a moment where Thanos is actually worried about yeah. what's happening to him, you know? Um and so I think she's always done a great job with what she's had, but it's really nice that in the series she gets more time to to, to act and be there and do different things more than just like the, Oh, I'm sad. My brother's dead or, Oh, I'm sad that vision's dead, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and so that was really good. Nick, any, any thoughts on Lizzie Olsen? Oh, I, I mean, uh, she's been fantastic. I
2: yeah. agree with Willie, especially saying, or pointing out that she really encapsulates each of those sitcom kind of modes really, really well. The, mm-hmm. uh, I think that the, high point of the entire series for me is the opening that's like the um full house kind of style oh, it just was it was so a good. full house yeah uh, yeah yeah, full house. That, yeah a little bit of kind of family mattersy vibe that that era basically that opening was just absolutely incredible like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it blew my mind they they both look so good they both look like it look it was so authentic and Perhaps because that's the era of TV that I most associate with my childhood, the, in the way that Wanda associates all those with her childhood, that that one really got me, like punched me right in the gut. I was like, oof, this was a simpler time right here. And they really hit the nail on the head in turn, with uh, kind of grabbing at the, the heartstrings and the nostalgia on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, she's she looks great in everything. She's just yeah. uh, not only... I mean, just a beautiful, per- beautiful-looking person, but just like her, her, ability to step into all of those eras and and balance it so effortlessly was really impressive. Mm-hmm. For sure, um, I'm excited to see where else she goes. Uh, I'm I'm excited and I'm nervous because Scarlet Witch has has for a very long time been very, very, very problematic in the comics. Yeah, and can easily be I don't want to say mishandled because people will use characters however they see fit, but I'm going to probably just say mishandled anyway, or used as like, a, she just keeps being used as a plot device. And even this show that is kind of what ends up happening, and it is obviously out of necessity and it's not ultimately not a bad thing, but in the books, she can often just become an excuse or, or a plot device or a deus ex machina or, uh, and I just want her to continue to be a character and not just an answer to a question or a question in general. Um, so yeah, that, that I'm, I'm nervous, but I'm hopeful because, uh, this was cool.
0: Well, and I think it's interesting that like, I was, I was walking into the show thinking we were getting some sort of approximation of house of M mm-hmm. or reappropriation of house of M and, and the fact that like, in a lot of cases, her storylines deal with her being insane or, you know, psychotic breaks of some kind, that type of thing, like, this show kind of dances around that a little bit and like technically doesn't really fall into that trope but i'm glad that the shit that like her going into doctor strange isn't just like she's gone evil cuz she's nuts and they killed her kids or something like that like it's going to be a more personally it seems like it's going to be a more personally motivated quest into the multiverse to find her kids and bring them to the reality she knows you know or something of that nature, rather than just like, I'm a broken person now and I'm going to kill everybody or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, it's you know, it's a fine line that they're dancing around, so I get Nick when you say that you're kind of cautiously optimistic about it or concerned with where it could go. Yeah, it, it feels like we're kind of skirting right around that line with her, but
2: Yeah, and but, it's it's a it's a potential pitfall with all the magic based characters mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, they can quickly become and and they did a great job with dr strange and i think they've done a good job with her uh, thus far um it just is an unfortunate i think nature to the fact that she's a female character she often ends up being somebody else's puppet and or mm-hmm. being pushed in a direction by other characters rather than acting of her own volition and i'm hoping that we can see less of that because it's a yeah. great performance and they've the fact that they've been able to make such out there characters work as well as they have is pretty slick. And I'm just really, really excited for the more weird supernaturally horror characters to kind of get in there. especially now that we've got blade on the horizon again, too, and Dr. Strange, obviously continuing and, you know, getting more into that realm of the, the Marvel universe will, could be really, really cool.
0: Yeah, um, I wanted to talk about Catherine Hahn too, Nick. I know you, you're kind of disappointed by the end of it, kind of where Agatha ends up uh, going. But I do, I love the fact that she's kind of on the shelf and could show up somewhere in the future. And like, I I enjoyed watching her throughout the show because she's always very entertaining. But particularly here, she gets to chew on the scenery a lot more. Um, and and so it's great that she's seeing this recognition for once. Not that like people didn't necessarily appreciate her, but I feel like she's got a lot more recognition from this just based on how many eyeballs saw this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see more Catherine Han and everything, but I appreciate the fact that like, I, The, the glimpse that you get of Agatha's past and the fact that like, it seems as though like she, she literally killed her own mother, basically like absorbing her mom's power. Um, I think she got an interesting arc there and they don't really touch on it much. Wanted to praise on it a little bit in the end, but like even with that short amount of time, I feel like Agatha has some context to her that I can appreciate. And, and therefore, um, you know, I'm interested to see what more they do with her in the future. And it kind of is like, to me, it's kind of like, all right, now we can say goodbye to Loki because now we have Catherine <laughs> and, and, um, I kind of hope that's a little bit of what happens in the future. Yeah, I here. don't. Jeez, I I, don't, I didn't even think about that.
2: I don't think.
1: <laughs> I don't think <laughs> we've seen great. the last of <laughs> Catherine Hahn in these in this universe. So I'm excited to see her do more stuff, because um, she's great. Uh, you know who else is great? Real quick before we, I want to make sure we mention uh, the great Randall Park. Um, yes. Put him in all the Marvel stuff. Um, I love Randall Park. He's great. He's wonderful. Um, and I should mention Darcy Lewis, Kat Dennings. Was yes. a lot of fun on this show. Um, and I was not the biggest Darcy fan all the time in those first couple of Thor movies, especially the second one. So I was happy to see her again and happy that I enjoyed seeing her again um, in that role.
2: Yeah, I agree completely. And they, they play really well off of each other, too. They have a really fun kind of dynamic. I would watch a Darcy and Wu X-Files show. Yes. Yeah, that'd be sweet. Um, Well, when Wu eventually becomes head of S.H.I.E.L.D. or Sword or (laughs) Baton or whatever they come up with next, uh, there you go. That'll be the government agency that does the right thing.
0: Perfect. Yeah. No. Uh, I guess he'd become like the
2: uh, head of the FBI or something.
1: Well, he's the... In the comics, he's the leader of uh, the Agents of Atlas, so...
0: Yeah. Um. Darcy uh, just to quickly go back to Darcy I once again I think this is another case of making something in the past better like as you said Willie this is maybe the only time that I really enjoyed watching Darcy on screen and it's got nothing to do with Kat Dennings because I love Kat Dennings and a lot of other stuff that she does but like the fact that we saw Darcy go from the political science major or whatever that was just getting a credit working with Jane Foster. And then she like switches her major or whatever. By the time we see her in the dark world, I think I can't really remember cause it's been a while. And then the fact that she's like a respected astrophysicist by the time we get to Wandavision I think is really cool and fun and like it's fun. Yeah. It's, it's just, they, they did something nice with her character and I like that she gets to kind of like quip at, uh, at hayward and and you know call him a dick and and that kind of that kind of stuff because she she gets to be a little bit of the audience surrogate as well because she's the one also watching the show so um does, a lot of that stuff was fun
1: does anyone else feel like this is a really genius way these shows because they've talked you know they brought back cat dennings i don't think we ever expected that character to pop back up i didn't um they're bringing back you know tim roth for she-hulk and and some of these characters from these early marvel movies I feel like Marvel is cashing in on its multi picture deals finally. Like they had Tim Roth sign back in like 2008 for like three pictures, right? Never (laughs) used him. And now they can get him at a 2008 price. It's really (laughs) smart.
0: No, it's great. I think I remember hearing, I can't, I think it was Feige was on the Still Watching podcast and he was talking about the fact that like they just looked at their whiteboard full of all the characters that are still around and kind of trying to figure out who they could include where for this show. And like you said, the fact that Tim Roth is going to show up elsewhere and like that type of stuff, like they have such a stable of people that can show up for different reasons and kind of pay off in ways that we didn't expect that. I really, it's incredible. There's not much else like it going on anywhere, which is very, very cool.
1: And most importantly, Batroc will be back in Falcon. and the Winter Soldier, yeah. So,
0: yeah, he's I'm sure he's vying for the shield, right? You know, mm-hmm. he wants to be Captain America as oh my a man God. from France. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> um one of the other things I wanted like other quick hits that I had some notes on. Um I like the fact that Vision got a death away from the action of Infinity War. Um and and we get to kind of say goodbye to him in a way mm-hmm. in that last scene here as as Nick touched on. Um and then the surreal moments, like Mister Hart choking, and oh, um, Agatha like saying, "Do you want me to take that again to Wanda and stuff like that?" Like the uncomfortability that that they put you in when things go wrong in these episodes. Like I was watching this week to week alongside the M Night Shyamalan produced um, servant on Apple TV Plus, and the shit from WandaVision made me more uncomfortable than that show did. <laughs> which is really pretty incredible. Especially even coming down to I think the the episode where where Mr. Boner shows up. Um the fight that Vision and Wanda have at the end of that episode where she's literally trying to play him off with the credits is like it hurt to watch for me. And like like it was at kind of the pinnacle of like these two like you see Vision starting to wake up and kind of realize that something's wrong and like Wanda pushing away from him as well. Like those feelings that all of that stirred up and that, f- that fight that they almost tip into before Quicksilver shows up is just kind of like it really ran. That was probably one of the most, um, dialed up emotional conflicts for me in this, in the series. Cause it's just, like how mad that they were at each other in that moment i was into it and i was like shit like this isn't good i don't want i don't want mom and dad fighting <laughs> right now well alex um,
1: alex that that discomfort and that that creepy factor right with with uh mr heart choking early on and and and, and like you said like uh, agatha I, should i take that again all that stuff mm-hmm. it, it, it really does stem from the fact that sitcoms are comfort food right like yeah sitcoms make you feel good usually that's the goal um occasionally they have like a life lesson in there but you know for the most part they just make you feel good and they even touch on that in this show um because you have wanda teaching vision about malcolm the middle which is amazing by the way um yeah but she says like this isn't that kind of show when he's like oh is is he grievously injured like so (laughs) they even state right outright like like sitcoms are supposed to be everything is hunky-dory right
0: yeah and that's very true and then
1: when they take that and they turn it into this weird like David Lynch, <laughs> creepy, like surrealist. It, it makes it more unnerving because you feel lulled in by the false sense of security you get
0: from the, from the, uh, the sitcom world. So for sure. Absolutely. Um, any other stuff to touch on with WandaVision? I mean, there's a lot that we could probably speculate and talk about. Um, I think White vision. I think they leave it ambiguous and they kind of imply that he could have flown off to destroy himself, but you know that he's just also on the shelf right now. So, Agnes, he's
1: going to be back. He'll be, I think it's going to be Armor Wars. That's my call. Oh, okay. I think he's going to show up for Armor Wars, but that's who knows. Interesting. Yeah. Just because he feels like he
2: fits. I mean, I don't know. We'll see.
0: Yeah. Um. I hope he shows up
2: in everything. Just like. <laughs> there they will be Falcon and winter soldier are talking and vision just flies, flies by, by in the background. Yeah. <laughs> He's just flying on his way to like, uh, Everest. So he can just sit on top of Everest and think about in, his life in, in a Hawaiian t-shirt of some kind. <laughs> yeah. Just
0: flying by. Yes.
2: Yeah. He flies by in the, whatever local garb of wherever
0: the, the characters are currently featured. Amazing. <laughs> um, uh, Paul Bettany's seventies hair is oh, a thing of oh, wonder so and uh, all of his hair. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Absolutely. Um and I really like the you know I it inadvertently I end up infuriated every time the please stand by pops up at the end of all of these episodes cuz I was like this is too short I want more that type of thing but the the graphical credits that they made with like the red blue and green uh diodes kind of flashing like that it's all the credits are very much based in like TV pixel technology type visuals and like they build Wanda's head dress and like the, the soul stone and all kinds of stuff out of it with the two different characters. But I liked the, the graphics that they, that they made for those end credits. I thought they were very cool, even though they made me mad every time.
2: I really, Um, I am so glad this show was as short as it was. And I'm so glad it was week to week. Like so glad and watching the people online have meltdowns because they can't binge it as it's happening <laughs> so was funny. just so, I was I was just dipping my bread in all those tears because it was so <laughs> awesome. Like, this was no, great. This was the yeah. perfect way to watch this show. It reminded me of, I hate to say it, the good old days. Because <laughs> it was. It was, no. it was excellent.
0: Yeah. Willie, you mentioned at the beginning of your thoughts, like, the idea that, like, with the covid delays we've ended up with this breath and marvel stuff that we would not have had otherwise Mm -hmm. i do i did really appreciate it because i felt very primed to be like back in this shit and just thinking about the stuff and drinking the kool-aid and all that type of stuff like I, i i will say i did feel fatigued by the end of you know 2019's marvel offerings and so like the fact that we got that little bit of respite and I can come back to it with fresh eyes and appreciate the newer things that they're going to try to do rather than compare it to the older mm-hmm. stuff that they already have done, I think is really good. And um, the only like sad part about it to me is that in alternate 2021, we would be seeing Doctor Strange in I, a couple yeah, weeks. Yeah, I agree. You know? I agree. and. Putting, putting potentially a year or who knows how long is going to be between the end of the show and, and Doctor Strange, I think is a bummer. Not that it's unheard of for these story threads to go uh, unpicked up for some period of time as these shows or as these movies have been coming out. Um, I do kind of lament the fact that like we were building towards this world where WandaVision would end. Doctor Strange would be in theaters and then Falcon and the Winter Soldier comes out or like however it was going to end up being like we're working towards this world where there's a new Marvel thing out every week, which is horrifying on one hand, <laughs> but also would have been like a crazy feat to behold on the other. Um. So the fact that that stuff has been a little bit screwed with uh, due to the, you know, obviously there's much more important things with oh, the pandemic yeah. going on, well, but we talk about I'm movies. Saying, so yes and this is a movie podcast so um yeah any other final thoughts on wandavision nope i hate vision's little soul
2: patch piece on his face that bugs the shit out of me <laughs> the soul stone no his little soul no. patch that his like head enclosure makes at his chin mm. uh it sucks that design has bothered me since he showed up in age of ultron and it continues to bother me to this day <laughs> i'm glad you're able to get that out <laughs> It's so distracting and weird. And I just, every time I see his face, I'm just like, why is that there?
0: You it, fucking ruined this for me because I never <laughs> thought about it before. <laughs> Google it right now. Look it up. It's, I did. I did. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, fuck. It's so bad and
2: stupid. Like you could just take it touch, touch it up in after effects, just get rid of it. And his face will look so much better for it. He'll look more human too. Well, good it's, news, Nick. We've got white vision now. He's got white soul patch.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. That's, that's literally true. my only character design complaint for both characters. <laughs> now I'm done. Oh, I can die now. I'm going right. to, I'm going to fade away. It's over. It's over. Um, <laughs> Who knows what I will be next. Yes.
0: <laughs> so let's, uh, let's do some quick. We don't have to stick around for too much longer, but I want, I would like to do a little bit of, um. What we've been watching, there's a couple shows that I've been watching. Nicole and I binged a lot of Ginny and Georgia on Netflix, um, which is a weirdly like more family-oriented version of a Breaking Bad or a an Ozark with a female protagonist rather than male. And I think it's an interesting remix of everything very coming of age teen drama mixed in with like weird potential crime thrillery stuff. Uh, and it just worked and it was a fun thing to watch. Uh, and, uh, and you know, 10 episodes up on Netflix. I think it might, some people that listen to this might like it. Other people might not like it at all. Plus it's got Scott Porter in it. So yes, you know, that's always good. Yeah. We're here for Scott Porter, Jason street, Texas forever. Um, and then, I finally started watching a show that I've been meaning to watch on Apple TV plus, which we've been pretty heavy on the past couple of weeks, but, um, there's a show on there called for all mankind, which is by, uh, it's being showrun by Ronald, Ronald Moore of the, uh, Battlestar Galactica reboot or revitalization, um, of the two thousands. And I never really watched that show. I always meant to check it out at some point, but, um, for All Mankind is this show on Apple TV. It's fifty minute long, hour long show that is an alternate history show where the Russians beat the US to the moon. And um Joel everybody's favorite Robocop, Joel Kinneman, is one of the main leads on the show.
1: Stop it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, uh, and he uh, he plays one of the astronauts in the program. There's a great cast of people in it. Colm Fiore has a few episodes as Werner Von Braun. Um, and there's just... The, the, the period details on the show are great. The effects of people on the moon is awesome. The attention to detail overall is great. And it took me like four or five episodes, but right now I'm at the point where I'm like, I need to watch everything that's available for this right now i think they're in the middle of season two at the moment and it's just a really cool kind of re-examination of the show they also get into a little bit of like um a slight spoilers but one of the earlier plot points is that they managed to land a woman on the moon well before the the americans were thinking of doing the same thing and that causes them to scramble a, a female astronaut program together and just kind of watching it, watching the show play with those dynamics and live in those roles and look at the gender roles that are being dealt with and how people in the seventies and sixties would have dealt with this kind of thing, I think is, is pretty interesting. So, um, I know Tim wanted to watch it at some point, but it is, it is quite good and I've been enjoying it quite a bit. So, uh, for all mankind on Apple TV, check it out uh anybody else got stuff they've been watching
1: um i you know i haven't been watch. i i have a we're, we're training my daughter to sleep in a toddler bed right now so uh for those of you folks who have been through this before send me all of your uh advice that you've got <laughs> um no in all seriousness it, it's been very hard for me to watch stuff lately um mm-hmm. but i have caught a couple small things so i have been watching um age of samurai on netflix which is a documentary series all about the uh the age of the samurai um the rise of uh oda nobunaga which is very Uh interesting uh i'm always i've always been fascinated by uh feudal japan and by um japanese history and particularly the samurai i find very very interesting uh so this was right up my alley and i'm really enjoying it um it's got some reenactments and stuff which i normally don't love in documentaries but because we're going back to samurai period um you kind of need them a little bit uh, mm-hmm. you're you're not interviewing <laughs> any of the people that took part in the uh, samurai battles so it's nice to have some and and you know what these these reenactments are really well acted too so uh it's well worth checking out it's age of samurai on netflix um that sounds awesome yeah yeah definitely we're checking out um I am also reading, uh, and this might seem strange for film nerds, but I promise it'll make sense in a second. What is what is reading? Hey, what does this really? mean? What is book? Um, I am reading uh, a book called With Nails, which is the – it's called The Film Diaries of Richard E. Grant, who is an actor I've always been a big fan of. Um, you'd probably know him most recently from Logan. He is the bad guy in Logan, the science guy, evil scientist guy that uh, creates the mutant, uh, whatever it is. Mr. Sinister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not Mr. Sinister, exactly. <laughs> um, but he's probably most famously known for his role in Withnail and I, which is a British film from the late 80s, early 90s. Um, but this is fun. It's, it's his diaries uh, over the course of his career. And uh, each chapter is a movie. He was part of, and he's got stories about all sorts of people from the, from the industry. The first time he met Joel Silver, that's a doozy. Uh, <laughs> it's just, it's a really cool book and he's, he's very British. Um, and so he's very cheeky and uh, he's got a good sense of humor about him. He's not a fan of Hollywood, which makes it really funny when he writes about Hollywood. Um and I'm on the Hudson Hawk chapter right now, which is as if you guys don't know, <laughs> one of the great Hollywood disasters of all time. And I'm getting a firsthand account because he played the villain in Hudson Hawk. And if you uh, Nick uh, being somebody who's worked in uh, uh, in film and and, and, and uh, television production, you would probably be cringing at some of the stories he is uh, he is telling in this. Just just the delays he has to describe. uh because of egos on set. It's embarrassing, Ooh. but it's really fun to read. So anyway, that's a great, great book. I'm really enjoying it. About halfway through that. The only other thing. Oh,
0: Some, yep. One thing mm-hmm. real quick. Some people may know him as Allegiant General Enric Pride in Star Wars. He was. Wars, the Rise yeah, of he was Skywalker. yeah, he was in
1: Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, he was the, the,
0: yeah, the He's general. He's also cast in an undisclosed role in Loki. Yes, the TV he is series. going to
1: be on Loki, which I'm really excited about. I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Richard E. Grant. Really, really like him. And,
2: uh, Didn't he win an Oscar like two years ago for um, the Melissa McCarthy movie? Two or three years ago? I don't know, actually. <laughs> Let me double you, check. You may have.
0: I have the Wikipedia page uh, open. I can figure this out.
1: But I will say uh, the rumor with Loki, and I don't know if this is true or not, is that he is playing an alt universe older Loki, which is super sweet.
0: Oh, that's uh, awesome.
1: Yes, <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah. Uh, so I'm totally down for that. Uh, because I could see Tom Hiddleston becoming Richard E. Grant. So.
0: He had a nomination for Best Supporting Actor in "Can You Ever Forgive okay. Me?" The aforementioned yeah. Melissa okay. McCarthy. So he's
1: nominated. There. Okay. Okay. Yes. Cool. He's he's really a fantastic actor. If you guys have not seen "With Nail and I," please track it down. It's well worth it. It's really great.
0: Um, I've seen all movies, so
1: so you're all set. Um, yeah. Last thing I want to mention: uh, I have not, <laughs> I I have not started this yet but I thought you guys would find it interesting and I didn't know about it until just recently. And I'm kind of surprised I didn't um, audible, which is the, I, I, I don't know. I don't know that much about audible. It's a service where you can pay for audio books or podcasts and stuff like that. It's audio yeah. entertainment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they released in uh, an, an audio uh, drama, like an audio drama, I guess you would call it. Um, adapting William Gibson, who is one of the great science fiction writers uh, Mm -hmm. of all time, Uh, William Gibson's script for Alien 3. Oh, wow. Now, the reason why this is so cool, beyond being William Gibson's Alien 3, which is a really cool script and well worth checking out in any form, um, is that uh, Michael Bean and Lance Henriksen star in this drama, this radio drama, (laughs) as Hicks and Bishop. And... Uh, it's like that is so sweet. it's super well produced. It's really, really great. Uh, I, I, I believe I don't know how it, exactly it works with Audible. Like I said, I haven't started it yet. I've, I've listened to clips, um, but I'm super pumped to get into it. Uh, it's, it's a couple hours long, so it, it's the, it's the runtime of the movie if the movie had existed, basically. Um, so I know it's available on Audible, but uh, I don't know the details in terms of how much it is or how you can get it. I have to figure that out myself. So. Um, it just, it, it's how, like, it's probably the closest we'd ever get to that version of alien three being on screen. So I'm super psyched to check it out. Um, and, uh, I know it's been, his script has been adapted into a comic book series as well. Uh, I believe dark horse back when they still had the rights, the alien rights, Disney has the rights now amazingly, but, uh, dark horse had the, the comic rights and, uh, and I think they're doing a novelization of it too. So this script has weirdly become this like big thing again. Um it's being adapted into like five or six different uh different formats. So anyway, check it out.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. It looks like you can you can either subscribe there's so there's an Audible Plus trial. Okay. That you can uh it's a thirty day trial that you can use to listen to this and it's seven ninety five a month after that, or you can buy just the audio drama itself uh for eight ninety five. So uh, choose choose what you will, and how you would like to consume. Uh, Alien Three, an Audible original drama.
1: Yeah, once oh. I saw Michael bean and Lance Henriksen, I was like, okay, this is like legit. This isn't. Yeah, like, I was gonna. Uh, yeah, this isn't a bunch of like theater actors like doing the script, which would be fine, but this is like legit.
0: So. <laughs> I was gonna say it's. Is this? I think the other title for this is Willie's birthday present. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yes. Because this is right it, up your it alley. It is ex- like how I did not know about this until just recently breaks my heart a little but now i'm super excited because i can like experience it for the first time so
0: that sounds awesome uh i just want to announce that we will i will be doubling all of my efforts to try and get us on uh on audible as well reading wayne's leisure world so yes um,
1: a dramatic reading
0: hopefully we can finally bring it to fruition
1: we've been trying to get a hold of mike myers for a while (laughs) he won't return our calls so
0: nope unfortunately he's doing uh, uber eats commercials now yeah, so he's too busy doing, for he's us. doing great yeah uh nick what have you been watching lately i have been watching i finished schitt's creek ah yes. finally
2: i did the same thing i did with parks and recreation where i loved the show so much i put off watching the finale uh, <laughs> as long as i could except schitt's creek i only managed to Put off for a few months, whereas I waited years before I finished Parks and Rec, <laughs> uh, and it's phenomenal. It's such a good show, and I feel I feel a little guilty pushing it too hard on people because I know I know what hype does. Mm. Hype is the mind killer, and uh, <laughs> it can it can seriously deflate and devalue something. But I uh, I think it's absolutely perfect. I think it's a perfect TV comedy, and I've I never felt it dragging. I never felt that any of it was weak. I think in the final season, you could feel that it was coming to a close. And I think that that was perfect. Whereas with other shows, you feel like coming to a close and then it goes on for another four years and you just are are bummed out by it. Uh, I just think it's absolutely uh, magnificent. And I think it's something that everybody should give a shot. And if you don't love it right away, give it an extra beat because I think it's a, it's it's Borderline essential. Uh, even if you are already a very caring and compassionate and empathetic person, uh, it will f- it will deepen that in you, I think. And if you aren't that type of person you watch it, you watch it it may soften you a little bit. I think it's uh, especially considering who created the show and what the core messages that they are hoping to convey with that show are. and I think they convey quite successfully. Uh, I think it's fantastic. And I think, uh, it's something that should be watched and, and studied and looked back on,
0: uh, many years from now. Totally agreed. That show is, is incredible. And, uh, they, they chose to end it with the sixth season. And, um, I think they could have made many more years of that show if they wanted to, but I think they, uh, they picked a good time. They to took end. the high I road. They, yes. Yeah. They did it very well. Um, there's also a documentary that aired immediately after the finale called Mm "Shit's Creek, warmest wishes, best regards. That is also up on Netflix for people to watch.
2: If you want to cry. As, um. as, uh, if you want to (laughs) cry. Oh yeah, for sure. As, as it was winding down for us at home, I was like, man, I wish I would love to watch like a giant making of, Mm. and then it ended and uh, it pulled that up as like a recommended, and we both like gasped, and we were like, "Oh my god, it, it exists!"
0: <laughs> so uh, my w- my wife and I will be watching that soon. Uh, Nick, you had one final what you've been watching before the technical <laughs> hiccup that we just experienced. Uh, what is this movie that you've seen half of and are excited? <laughs> uh,
2: which 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 half did you watch? <laughs> I started smack in the middle. Sick. Anyway, I'm talking about Tenet. No, I, uh, no, I, I started rewatching. So I've, I've, I've been reading all sorts of, uh, I've basically been trying to read some Marvel comics, uh, in line with some of the shows and the series and the stuff that are coming out just to kind of like touch base on some stuff. So I, uh, there is a new Falcon and winter soldier series out, which I read the first couple issues of, and I thought was kind of neat. Um, I reread Next Wave, which is a 12-issue series from, I think, like 10, 15 years ago, in which Monica Rambeau is a team leader. Mm -hmm. And I read that uh, while watching WandaVision. And uh, the book does a really great job of using her powers uh, in a very cool, interesting ways. Um, So, I think that there's lots of potential there. But then with... uh, Somehow, I don't remember how I got on the, on the train of thought, but I started trying to read some random comics with Blade in them because I'm really excited for Mahershala Ali to play Blade, <laughs> and I hope that that comes to fruition. Who isn't? So, uh, Yeah, I mean, if you're not, <laughs> you got problems. Uh, and so I watched the first half of Blade uh, last night, and I'm going to finish it tonight for sure. I can't wait till my wife falls asleep so I can finish watching Blade because uh, it is so awesome. It's still so I was like last night, I just was like, ugh. it's been like three months. I guess I have to watch Blade again because I seriously (laughs) watch this movie like I watch a Blade movie, either Blade one or two, I swear, like three times a year. Uh. And they're so they're just so awesome. And the opening scene. So, okay, obviously, if you've listened to this episode thus far, I was very disappointed in the finale of WandaVision. And the thing I was most (laughs) disappointed in was how Marvel just can't help themselves now. And they default to what they know, which is just like plain Lay's potato chips. Like, listen, I love a good bag of Lay's with a a cookout. I love a good bag of Lay's once in a while, but like I can't eat plain Lay's every day. Like I need, I'm a flavor guy. I love flavor. So I need to change it up. And that's what WandaVision was like a really nice bag. Shit. It was like every bag. I mean, I had a bag of Cool Ranch one week. We had a bag of Cheetos (laughs) one week. We had a bag of Funyuns one week. We got all kinds of shit. And so the fact that we ended on a big giant Bag of Lays at grandma's house. I was like,
0: Low sodium, low salt, light salt with Lays. Yes. So, except I was so salty. (laughs) (laughs) You brought the salt.
1: I did have some salt and vinegar chips today and they were amazing. So good.
2: Good. So then I watched Blade (laughs) and I don't even know what chip to associate Blade with because the opening, like five minutes of Blade, is the most baller shit. And Okay, what year did Blade come out? 98? 98. 98, I
0: think. 97, 98. That, it
2: holds up perfectly. Even in some of the dumb effects, like when he when he kills a vampire and they kind of dissolve. Like You're like, okay, the CGI is a little soft, but it's better than everything in the finale of WandaVision, and it's from 1998. And <laughs> the way the action is set up and the, the setups and the payoffs, even just within an action sequence, uh, just the opening... Uh, blood rave scene is so awesome and the the fighting is is cool the one-liners are just right uh it's excellent and the first half of the movie is just a total blast and i'm really excited to keep watching it and then i'm and then i'm rolling right on to right on through to blade two baby yeah i can't wait because blade two is so sweet and then blade three i'm gonna watch it um (laughs) because I feel I have to I haven't seen it so I've I've seen the first two many times and I've only seen the third one maybe twice yeah so I need to watch it to to complete this bizarre vision quest of blade that I'm going on right now
1: but <laughs> you know what Ryan Reynolds is fun and it honestly he is yeah he's, he's fun. Uh, and it's funny to see Dominic Purcell of Prison Break fame play
2: Dracula. Yes, so yes. just enjoy. <laughs> I remember seeing the theater and being like, "Who is this dude? <laughs> what the hell <laughs> why, why is this guy Dracula?" Yeah, and I'm uh, I'm excited to see that scene where Wesley had to have his eyes animated because he refused to open his eyes. <laughs> <So> sweet. <laughs> I can't wait to see that part. But yeah, like it just, it just, it really, really reinforced going from something like, and I'm not just trying to poopoo on WandaVision, but it, it is the most recent Marvel property that I've, that has come out. So, it is the most subject to immediate analysis in terms of like, it's being shot digitally. It's, there's all these CGI things. But when you watch Blade, you're like, damn, this was shot on film with like, A lot of practical stuff with like real sets and a guy who actually could do like martial arts and it shows like it really is just like really engaging, even though it's Blade. Like it it shouldn't be as compelling and cool as it is. And at the time when it came out, it probably wasn't it was probably just like a fun movie. But looking back now, I'm like, man, this is like an awesome movie because it's old school. Yeah. Which is it's a shame to say something that came out when I was like 12 is old school. <laughs> but it is. Yeah. And it's very refreshing to see, you know, something like that 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 that's kind of a grown-up movie too, which is cool, but I think Wandavision dealt with a lot of adult stuff. I mean, that's not a movie I would watch with kids. It's not a Marvel property that I'd watch with a kid and expect them to think it's really cool. Like that's definitely for like, you know, people our age roughly. Um I would say. So, anyway, Blade is really fun, and and I'm excited to kind of go back and watch a lot of these. This is partly inspired by Tim also, who has been going back and watching a lot of the non-MCU <laughs> Marvel stuff. And I kind of want to go back and do that, too, and, and, you know, maybe go through some of the Fox X-Men stuff again. I want to throw all the way back to Spawn. Why not? Yeah. Just see nice. some of these early comic book uh, properties. I will be skipping Ghost Rider, but I might watch uh, the second one because it's... It's actually kinda of fun.
1: Just watch Dolph Lundgren's Punisher and you'll be all right. Oh yeah, Dolph's Punisher. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta watch, watch the all cool. the Punishers. Dude. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I popped open the uh the HBO Max to watch our <laughs> requisite depressing <laughs> uh depressing documentary. Yeah, series. Axios or something? No, it was uh the um, we're watching the Alan V. Farrow uh, documentary oh. which is rough and, um, but of course Blade was there and I just burst out laughing <laughs> so, oh yeah that'd be me <laughs> I, I, I knew what was happening right as I saw it so it was beautiful Um, so real quick I wanted to hit just one news story unless there's anything else you guys want to talk about but Tim, I, I feel as though Tim's presence needs to be felt on the show uh-huh. uh, and uh, he posted a link Uh, to this news Uh, Variety is reporting that Elizabeth Banks, Phil Lord and Chris Miller are reuniting for a picture called Cocaine Bear at Universal Pictures Uh, This is a movie that is based off of an event from 1985 um, where a bear apparently devoured a lot of cocaine that was dropped by a dude who was a drug runner Uh, as he parachuted out of a plane and ended up dying. Um, How excited are we for Cocaine Bear?
1: Um, I'm excited for the title. Um, Yes. It's a really good title. I guess I'm not sure what the story is here. (laughs) I mean, there is a story, but I guess I'm not sure how the story can be a feature film. So...
0: Yeah, I mean it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Lord and Miller being attached to it, you know, I, I'm I'm always curious with the work that they do, so I feel yeah. like it could be interesting. A but. Good
1: creative team. I like Elizabeth Banks as well. I you know I wonder if maybe they're going to like it's going to be like a inspired by true events situation, right? And mm-hmm. Maybe the bear uh, ingests the cocaine and uh, goes on some sort of rampage. You know, some sort of like nature run amok film. Uh, yeah, that would be cool. Maybe it's because I just watched Crawl, but I'd I like to see that movie.
0: I feel like I could also see somewhat of a Cohen Brothers kind of movie ah, with this yeah. wrecking ball of a of a cocaine induced bear just barreling through people's lives in, in uh Kentucky.
1: Maybe we set up the the small town, right? And we, we have our, our mm-hmm. many players. Or you think, maybe you go as 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 deep and as dark as like a like a magnolia, right? Where you really you really dig in <laughs> you really dig into these <laughs> You really dig into these characters, their lives, what makes them tick, their their fears, their desires for like a solid two hours, 215, right? And then instead of it raining frogs, a cocaine field cocaine bear, bear tears through their lives as you've uh, just become very. Uh, to the tune of invested. an Amy
0: Mann song, right?
1: Uh, that would work, yeah, absolutely.
0: Oh my God,
2: please bring Tom Cruise into Cocaine Bear. Bring back Frank TJ Mackey. Maybe you
1: just make the character it's the characters from Magnolia. It's a sequel to Magnolia <laughs> called Cocaine Bear.
0: <laughs> Magnolia 2.
1: Cocaine, cocaine Bear. Cocaine Bear. bear.
0: <laughs> Nick, any thoughts on the
2: news of Cocaine Bear? Shit, I I'm still processing what I just heard. <laughs> I I I, <laughs> I mean, I just want to go watch Magnolia. Oh, well, I'm more excited for that idea than whatever <laughs> fart of a news story we have so far in terms of <laughs> cocaine, cocaine bear. I mean, I agree. I agree with what you said initially, but like, this is a really funny story. This is a really funny thing that happened in real life. And that's it's a great read, it's a great news article. <laughs> but I don't know how this is a movie, but we'll see, I guess, what they come up with. Hopefully, it's. Uh, Hopefully it's cool. This feels like a property that like the Duplos brothers would make into something that mm-hmm. would be shockingly cool and uh and funny. So I don't know. I I don't think I've seen any movies that Elizabeth Banks has directed. I just heard her Charlie's Angels was really bad, so that's all I have to mm-hmm. work on. Uh and I liked her a lot in Power Rangers <laughs> as Rita Repulsa. Yes. Yeah. I like her in general as an as an actress. Yeah. I I this sounds like to me it's got to be a documentary about like Uh, the cocaine bear but also the news article that that tim linked us to tells the whole story like we know where the cocaine bear is so it's not like we're trying to find the cocaine bear's body
0: yeah no it's so the i'm looking at the the original breaking of the story of variety and uh, there's a (laughs) script from jimmy warden so i don't know that it's i think it's probably some sort of narrative but uh huh We'll have to
1: just tell we'll tell, to tell Lord and Miller to call to call me. I got this. The
2: quote yep. the quote in the in the actual news story about the cocaine bear it was so funny. Where the doctor talks about the effects that did you guys read it? Did you like actually I read did, the? No, yeah. I did not read that full story. No, so I I have heard this story before. I was aware of the cocaine bear, and I had never read. <laughs> was,
0: did you run across it as you were looking at stories of Wojtek the the Polish uh, the, the Polish bear? war
2: bear? Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> I don't remember I true I don't remember how I learned about the cocaine bear. I just knew about it. I years ago had heard something about how some exact exactly what we know that a drug smuggler threw a bunch of coke out of a plane and a bear somehow found it, ate it and then went up presumably fucking nuts for a while until it died. And the so I actually read the link that uh, either you or Tim, I don't remember who sent us. It was Tim. Um of the actual incident because I was curious more about the fact that there's a museum that has the body of the cocaine bear, but it was funny because there's some interview with some doctor who's talking about the effects cocaine has on like people and the, and the amount of, they said when they found the bear and performed the autopsy, it, it had eaten like its stomach was literally bursting with cocaine. Like this bear <laughs> went so hard on the cocaine that he said that ah, you just have to read it. It was so funny. I should have had it pulled up. He talks about all the side effects that cocaine has on, 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 Uh, basically biological anatomy and says that every single thing, seizures, heart attacks, like brain aneurysm, everything would have happened to this bear at the same time. (laughs) It just sounds horrifying, but also really hilarious. And I guess I just want to know what compelled the bear to keep eating the cocaine. Was it just having such a great time that it just had to keep going? Yes. I don't know. Can Josh Gad play the cocaine bear?
0: (laughs) No, I want it to be like, John, Fucking Alexander John C. Guard or something like that in, in a bear suit. <laughs> Beautiful.
2: All right. Yeah, I, I mean, think that's this this will be one that maybe I'll we'll keep our fingers on the pulse of and see what <laughs> becomes of cocaine bear. One of us will watch Cocaine Bear. Yes. I'm oh, sure. we'll all for sure watch it. I mean, this just to see what the hell because I mean, I don't know how they're gonna make a movie out of this. Maybe yeah. maybe it'll be cool. Maybe it'll be like Lake placid or something about a crazy bear killing people on <laughs> Well, whilst impervious to harm,
0: <laughs> yes, that's the original direction that Willie was going.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. But are we doing uh, are we doing Snyder
0: Cut? Uh, so I'm I can't look away from that train wreck, and I believe Tim feels the same way. So if, if you're gonna watch it, uh, oh, Willie, absolutely. it sounds like you have the option of whether or not you're gonna spend four hours of your life watching the Snyder Cut. Who I right? have to, Please. me, <laughs> yeah, you, you have. You have the out, because there's already three of us in.
1: <laughs> yeah, I will not <laughs> be doing that. Um, I have to know. You're no, I, don't, no I, want, I want you guys to do it, so I don't have to do it, yeah. and then I can hear your recounting of things.
0: So, there you go. Sounds yeah. perfect. So I think we'll be back for the Snyder Cut in a couple of weeks, <laughs> uh, you know? So I wasn't going to I wasn't going to demand that anybody spend 4 hours of their life and then another 2 hours recording about it on the Snyder <laughs> cut but I will
1: join you for Kong versus Godzilla if we do that. How about that? Absolutely. Oh, we'll do that. Yeah, there we go. I can agree. handle that.
0: Okay. All right. So I think we got our next couple lined up at least. Um and then Nick also brought up the uh so it but it was not only Willie's birthday this week, so happy birthday, Willie. Thank you. But uh it, it is also the ninth birthday of John Carter, <clears> which <throat> I think is great. And then also this past December was the tenth birthday of Tron Legacy and uh I think it would be fun to revisit that at one of these points if yeah. we, you know, don't have a Snyder cut to talk about. <laughs> uh so that's probably those that might be coming in the future as well. Keep Keep your, your ears peeled, your eyes peeled, and your ears open. But yeah, I think that's it. Feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com. Let us know what you think Cocaine Bear is going to be about. Mm-hmm. And um, Right, send us your pitch for Cocaine Bear. Yes, yes, please. Cocaine. Cocaine, cocaine. Bear. And uh, yeah, I think that's it. Patreon.com slash Midwest Podnet. Listen to Game Nerds, listen to Horror Movie Earbook. Book. And uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks with Zack Snyder's Snyder cut of Justice League Hi, looks why I go watch a movie